0: Welcome to Study Buddy. Meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice.
1: All
0: right, so this week we're going to explore the concept of absolute independence of the yogi both on and off the cushion. Big stuff that we are always aspiring towards. We see that in this sutra, our effort must be sincere. We see a pretty cool word, akritta, which means unartificial or sincere, and that that sincere effort is essential to unlocking our growth we also see that that sincere effort must be applied endlessly in order for it to truly lead to the independence that the sutra talks about because remember the independence that the sutra is describing is of the Siddha the realized uh, practitioner. So it's pretty big independence and then we're gonna c- conclude with a little idea I had for a group sankalpa as we approach the yoga holiday of absolute independence known as the fourth of july um, but that will all uh come in due time i wanted to take a little bit of uh, just a moment to sort of look back a little bit at our work over the last um couple weeks because it's been significant um, we got some shout outs you know this the work that we've been doing as a group from babaji he seemed really pleased with our work um, as a whole, you know, feeling the sort of the Sangha uh, starting to really Im- imbibe the content, bring it into their life and then literally share it back with each other. And uh, I, su- I think it sort of marked like a pretty big uh, moment for us as a group, a moment that to be perfectly honest, we've been working at for years together um, sort of, and it seemed to come to some kind of fruition there. But of course it only marks the beginning of our work. Um, but for the last couple of weeks uh, we've been finishing up with this sutra siddha svatantra baba and this was about the uh, absolute independence of the siddha of the realized uh, practitioner and the prompt that we shared with each other and that we worked with together uh, was how are you rising up to meet Shiva in your meditation practice or in your daily life there was this really fun analogy that got sort of circulated through our discussion in our last class was this river of shakti that's flowing and like when you're in the flow that's the power that the sutra was describing when you're moving with the shakti your actions your thoughts and your words are extremely powerful not because you're powerful but because you're moving with the flow of shakti and so you have that that power is a part of you that's you merging with shiva so i just want to do a little call back to some of our um some of the the marco polo comments that uh, we were sharing with each other that are also in the newsletter and we'll just take a minute or two for this uh, Vati from eldorado shared that when i marinate in my deep wish to grow i feel the shedding of the small self that that shedding of yuckiness and crunchiness is how i rise to meet shiva um, Rising and this is from Dharma in Chicago. This one's a little bit longer, but it was pretty fun. Everybody got a kick out of this one um, Dharma's very you know creative with his responses Rising to meet Shiva feels like trying to end a relationship with my small self to let the small self down gently And let them know that we're not going to keep going steady any longer And when the small self hears this I see that it will say anything to keep me from breaking up with it And I see how insidious it can be clinging to the way things were It shows me how important the three jewels are for our growth. Our practice, our teacher, and our sangha. They're what get me through it. Uh, Toure shared that she was at Monday night meditation when she sat down to begin her practice. I saw my mind begin its to-do list and realized, okay, I'm not being present. This showed me that rising to shiva means being present to work hard to be exactly where I am doing exactly what I'm doing At the time she was uh, Working with kale and she was like being with the kale Uh, She said whenever i'm just present. I feel free and connected to that place inside And just a couple more Anju had an interesting distinction here. She said the sutra made me see the important difference between releasing the small self and rejecting it. I notice that when I'm releasing, I don't get caught up in rejecting, and I'm able to embrace my small self without judgment and rise above it towards the Shiva state. It's a cool distinction to make. And a little bit longer one here to finish up. This is from Mahadev. Uh, After reflecting on the prompt, let me just make that bigger for myself to read. After reflecting on the prompt of rising to meet Shiva and seeing what everyone shared, I started asking myself, how can I do this here at my job? And the reason I wanted to add in this sort of lengthier part of his comment is because I was struck because I'm no longer reading a quote for those of you listening to the podcast. Um, The... When he said to himself, how can I do this? I was like, yes, that's the whole idea It's literally just the just the asking of like how can I do this? How can I make this sutra real in my life? It's like the whole idea like It's everyone's life so different. No one else could ever tell you how to do it The sutras can't even tell you how to do it. It's like the sutras inspire you To ask that question and then here's Mahadev um He said, then it just hit me as I walked out of a patient's room. He works at a hospital and began our usual ritual of washing our hands, which we always do when we leave a patient's room. Instead of rushing through this, though, I just stopped and took my time with it. And it was such a cool moment to feel, oh, everything is resetting. I'm resetting to the inner self. I'm resetting to Shiva here. And so I did this each time I left a patient's room for the rest of that day using each hand-washing moment to reset, and I could feel my whole body empty out and my mind calm down. Hearing everyone's response inspired me to find this in my own life, and I've now found a new ritual to help me connect with the inner self throughout the day. I really appreciate what we're, what we're sharing with each other here. So I really appreciate what we're, what we're sharing with each other here too um, because there's just no uh, replacement. There's no text. There's no uh, amount of studying or, or preparation for a class that could replicate the work that we're doing as a whole, as a sangha, um, to make this real in our life. Um, so I wanted to just take a little time to look back at our work and uh, before we embark on new work for the, for the next week, um, and so I'll pass it over to Abaya and we'll do a little bit of movement.
1: And... All right. Um, well, if it's comfortable, begin by closing your eyes and just feel your body in space, taking up space in your room, feeling its weight on your seat, your cushion, And just start to feel inside with all of the wonderful quotes that Satyam just read. Maybe you notice a sense of your heart already beginning to open through Sangha sharing. And just take a few natural steady breaths directed towards the heart. And then let any energy that's circulating in the mind start to redirect towards the heart center. And then keeping that direction with your awareness, just ever so gently begin to push into your right leg. However it's situated, press it down towards the floor and just feel the very gentle, natural contraction of the muscles in that leg. No strain, of course. And just notice how the body starts to move in the opposite direction. Try on the other side, pushing down into the left leg and feel what naturally happens in the leg and then what naturally happens with the rest of the body, though you're not directing anything or forcing anything, you're just allowing like this river of Shakti that we are talking about in the sutras. Just notice how the body can start to naturally flow from side to side, beginning to alternate pressure with one leg and then the other. And these movements can be really subtle. Like maybe no one can even really see that you're moving. That's okay. And now let's all move twice as slow. And see if you can feel twice as much. Let the Side to side movement gets smaller and smaller, which actually takes a good bit of finesse. And just start to naturally arrive at the place where there's equal pressure in both legs. The pelvis is balanced. The spine is tall yet There's no strain no effort around it. And then just gently begin to soften the legs. So there's no longer any of that downward pressure, no exertion, just a state of equal balance. And before we conclude, just notice your presence. Notice if you feel more connected to this inner world. and it's from this inner connection, that will open to receive the sutra
0: and allowing the sutra to reverberate within like a mantra as we pronounce it together. Yet Yatta Tatra Tatan Yatra Yatta Tatra Tatan Yatra Just have fun with it for a few more repetitions on your own. It's quite rhythmic. Yatta Tatra Tatan Yatra Yata tatra tata It's probably the f- most um, entertaining-sounding sutra uh, yet, in my opinion. Yata tatra tatanyatra. This absolute independence is the same in the external world as it was in samadhi. Um, Another way of translating is like the same inside as outside, which is why we have the um, sort of uh, rhyming quality So the sutra says that the The siddha's experience of life is the same on and off the cushion I think that for those of us who have you know been in the practice for a little while um, that exemplifies the respect that we have for our teachers. You know it really is like that's exactly how we we look at our teachers that when they're that they have attained a state that follows them from their cushion into their life, and so in a way, this is not necessarily like new information. In this sutra almost like affirming of of how we we look at our practice. I mean the very Definition of shambhavi shambhava uh, Is to basically have your attention within while interacting in your external world So That might be our mountaintop that we're striving for you know But what can we take from this sutra? Now today With where we're at For me this sutra teaches Of course that we should not limit our practice to the cushion, but should bring it into our life But that our life becomes both as Babaji puts it the arena for our growth and the litmus test for our growth So we're not just seeking our enlightenment on our cushion But we're really using our life as a testing ground for our practice Whether you're you should feel a sense of independence whether you're meditating in a cave Or eating dinner with The family, you know like at thanksgiving, you know when there can be a lot of different people in the room The sutra says And this is another great lyrical quality. Here we go. Come on. Let me click that button. There we go. And back, actually. The yogi is always independent. They are independent here. They are independent there. They are independent. Green eggs and ham. (laughs) They are independent everywhere. So we know as practitioners that this doesn't mean, when you say bringing your practice into your life, it doesn't mean uh, rejecting, right? It's not like you go into the board meeting, you sit on the floor, you close your eyes, and you start doing a mala of mantra. But it does mean that in your own office before the meeting, you're going to get really centered and you are probably going to, you could sit on the floor and do a mala. And it does mean that during the meeting, you're going to be conscious of your breath and. Try to stay centered and open and receptive, you know to allow something really pure to come through to nourish whatever the setting is so It's sort of like as Mahadev put it in his recent post uh, in his Marco Polo, you know, it's finding ways To bring our practice under like finding these reminders, you know He said washing his hands after each patient became a place for him to reset with his practice every single one of us i bet in our yearning to be free in our yearning to have a spiritual life has found those reminder moments you know um a moment in your day that you use like for example for me when i'm working a lot outside like let's say on irrigation there's a lot of walking back and forth you know i've always used that as an opportunity to like when i'm going from here to there uh, i'm really just going to try and be really present with walking from here to there And not get ahead of myself. I know what part I need. I know what I need to do. I'm really just gonna try and be present from here to there. I bet you have something like that in your life, right? Because we know that just saying, I am going to do more practice today, um, doesn't always yield the results uh, we seek. I think all of us can think about the last time we said that at breakfast. And then remembered that we had said that at dinner and don't remember necessarily doing a ton more practice that day. Um, we've all done that, you know, and that's great that we're trying, right? But we have to recognize that just saying it uh, is not what we're talking about here. And that's where I found a really uh, a, a mark, a point in the sutra that I think we can focus on as a group and really use it to benefit our practice. Um, Lakshman calls He says there's a difference between like when you just say I D. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do more practice today He says that's sort of like artificial um, Independence that's artificial in a sense where it's like it's the surface of something, but there's no real content He says you actually have to like become The thing you have to actually change he says that's what makes it unartificial And this unartificial quality, I think we can really relate to deeply in our practice. And I I found it to be very beneficial, and we're going to focus on that. So as the sutra says, um, in reference to this concept of artificial and unartificial, it says, the reality of self, where unartificial, universal independence will shine, should be sought with great reverence. I'll give you a moment with, with that. And for those listening, I'll read it one more time. That reality of the self, where unartificial, universal independence will shine, should be sought with great reverence. In my own sadhana, I can recall The moment when I first really felt like I encountered this concept of unartificial practice And I wonder if each of us has a similar moment like a moment when they Really grasp this on their own terms within their own practice For me, it was with uh, Rudy's wish to grow practice I remember sitting in the ma shrine at shoshone as a work study and um Remember hearing uh Rudy's words either somebody had read them or referred to this practice in a teaching So I feel like I had the teaching where rudy said you're supposed to sit in a room and say I deeply wish to grow And you're supposed to and you should be able to hear when you say it that first time how fake it is is what he says how How insincere it is And he says so you say it again I deeply wish to grow, and he goes, and it's just as in, just as insincere, just as fake. He says you have to say it again and again and again and again. You know how Rudy and his satsangs will say that like again and again, like a lot, because it, that's really what we have to do. Until you mean it, and he said it hundreds of times, thousands of times. And I remember sitting in the ma shrine and just I could I was like I get this, I finally get it. I can hear the artificiality of my wish to grow, and I can do the next one with a little less artificiality, with a little more sincerity. I didn't know, and I still don't necessarily know how to just say a mantra from the heart, you know, but I know how to work towards the heart, right? I know to—I know the direction. That's about all, you know, we can get. So we don't reach unartificiality. We don't reach sincere practice uh, of universal independence by deciding. Oh, I'd like to practice less artificially. <laughs> um, we reach there by trying, and then and then going deeper, and then trying again and, and going a little bit deeper. And that's what makes this practice so rare. Is that it's not a decision that we just make. It's a practice that we do, and that's literally the only way there. So I'm going to pull up one more quote here um, before we talk and do a little practice. Because Lakshman Jew had a really great explanation of this concept in an earlier sutra. He said, your effort must not be artificial. Akrita. It must be absolutely natural, filled with intense desire and fervent longing and originating from the center of your heart. I w- this is one of my favorite quotes from the entire book as far as Lakshman uh, personal writing It must be absolutely natural Filled with intense desire and fervent longing and originating from the center of your heart From the perspective of our mind, there's almost no way to put the concepts Absolutely natural and intense desire into one sentiment. Whenever we try to be totally natural, our minds usually drift. Whenever we try to have intense desire, we get stuck in doership. The only way to discover such a rare state of being is through trial and error, through doing the practice, right? So I thought we'd take a few minutes now to do the wish to grow practice together and I want you to really watch your own process How do you? reach for this Sincerity What does it feel like? How do you know when you've done it a little bit? Feel the process Do it but also feel the process and that way we'll be able to describe it a little afterwards and discuss it a little bit afterwards so as always take a brief moment to to move so that you can settle towards stillness <clears throat> And just start with where you're at. Start with the seat you're in and and try to feel in this very seat this combination of absolutely natural, yet filled with intense desire and longing. That's the effortless effort, right? You're relaxed, yet alert. And then feel your breath for a moment. Go ahead and smooth out the breath a little bit. Making your breath smooth. But then also try to feel for the natural breath flow that sort of yearns to be followed. We'll start by repeating this out loud a few times because you have to hear yourself say it you have to hear the artificiality in it and then work from there and no judgment all of us start there and we're all trying to go deeper and so just repeat to yourself wherever you're at even if you're in a group i deeply wish to grow we'll say it together a few times here I deeply wish to grow. And then pause and, and get ready to hear yourself say it again and listen. I deeply wish to grow. 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 a Couple more times out loud here and make sure you can hear yourself and reach for something more sincere each round. I deeply wish to grow. 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 I and let yourself get a little bit quieter here just like mantra I deeply wish to grow 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 grow." and now turn to the silent mantra Continue to hear it You can hear it when you say it You can repeat it with your breath flow Or whatever pace works for you Focus on generating sincerity. the mind drifts bring it back and just keep going if you're on your own always feel free to repeat it out loud again if you're in a group you can mouth it if that helps Reach a little bit deeper. It's not pure effort. It's also surrender. You're making a wish. You're asking for something. It's different than demanding it. And now let the practice subside and reflect, and this means actually writing something, reflect on your experience of generating sincerity. Did it feel like something? Did you take a certain path there? How did you know you were sincere? Anything that came through, take a moment and just write it down. Keyword, a poetic description. Just take a minute to do that. If anybody doesn't have something to write with, think of a key word, a key word. And just to break the ice and to see what's going on with all of us, you know. uh, If you have the opportunity, please type in a keyword to the chat box. You're welcome to write a couple words or whatever, you know, feels good um, about what your experience was. And I can write for you guys if you holler a word. If you got one, okay, okay, good, good. All right, I'm going to start reading a few that are coming in. We had revealing and surrender here, Kara receiving instead of reaching. Anju, joyous, Devananda, gratitude, Tara, opening, Morali, heart opening, Arjun, insightful, Tashi, illuminating, And so now I encourage all of you to uh, I'm going to take off my uh, spotlight and hopefully that snaps y'all back to Gallery view, but if it doesn't feel free to do that on your own To sort of feel the the group essence And uh, let's let's talk for a minute, you know this concept of unartificial effort um And just again to tie it into our Sutra we saw it in the context of this That reality of the self where unartificial universal independence will shine should be sought with great reverence And that this is the key Again to bringing the internal experience of meditation to the external experience of our life this unartificial sincere effort so just give y'all some space and feel free to unmute. And
1: So when Satyam said artificial effort, uh, the first thing that came to mind to me, like just now, just like three seconds ago, sometimes when I'm doing the Guru Gita, I feel like there's a moment where I realize like, oh man, I've just been sitting here saying the words, you know, but I'm not like here or I'm not like using this to like really open. And when it's it sort of feels like a lucky realization. Like when I, when I have that, I'm like, oh great. I have the opportunity to actually dig in. um, And it kind of feels similar to the exercise that you just took us through Satyam, where it's like at first I'm just saying the words like I deeply wish to grow, right? And and it's, it's artificial because it's like coming from my mind. It's coming from like almost like trying to turn within. And then each time, I repeated it. It was almost like this like echo chamber of like the cavern of my heart. And it was like allowing that to reverberate, you know, like each time I said it, it was like, okay, what's real? What's actually happening inside? And then I stopped really having to say it because then I could actually feel the wish and and the the process is similar when I'm doing the Guru Gita, you know where it's like I can just say it and not even feel anything and Then as soon as I like allow the vibrations to start to be like Really directed inside and like really am present for that the experience totally changes, so that's my uh, sharing
0: Yeah, I think anybody who does the Gita has got to be able to relate to that, right? A 182 verse mantra, you're doing it at 5.30 in the morning, every morning. You know, it seems like it's a perfect environment for recognizing this. And what I really also took away from what you said, sorry, let me just zoom out, um, was that uh, it feels like you recognize that you're just saying the words, but then there's like a, a softening it feels like you said you almost had to let it come in Mm. it's almost like we have this when we're externalizing it's almost like we're pushing our energy out and it creates a barrier and then we have to ask for something to come in and that that's the that's how you make the shift that's definitely something I feel like I want to (laughs) try like specifically Alan.
2: Yeah, I would say uh, I thought of something, I I kind of thought in a similar vein as you did, Abaya. Um, And to me, it's kind of like the small self or the ego or something like that likes to feel, wants us to, wants to feel kind of like safe and secure Mm. or something. And so there's like sort of this kind of mundane dullness that kind of creeps in our life with just like not opening up to life is like you just kind of feel like it's like you I don't know for me I like I wake up in the morning and it's like some part of me just kind of wants to be like okay here and I don't have to do anything or I don't know some some kind of keeping how Baba talks about staying small like something along those lines you could probably say it a lot of different ways but like this kind of like takes a little bit of something special it's not necessarily like an outward effort it can be like a use at a buy like more like a softening and letting in but some kind of opening to the world and and to me that's kind of like um, like being vulnerable because you're like being present is like means being open to Pain and anything that could come your way, any, like life, like just energy that you can't foresee. It's like to to be actually open to life and whatever could come to you in a day. And what's that? What's that? What's really there? Is like a I think scary for a certain part of us. Like I guess maybe the small self or the ego who wants to kind of keep us small, contained. Something like along those lines. And so. To just actually just open up to the mantra, to to just to life, um, is it like an effort, and yet it's just becoming who we naturally truly are.
3: Thanks, Dale. I'm just letting that soak in. And tap me if you had, if you want to respond instead. I really
0: like specifically that you brought up the that early morning version of us and our practice when I'm like, when I try to do gratitude practice before my feet hit the floor, I'm like, this is the most pathetic gratitude ever. (laughs) But I'm like, it's got to start somewhere, you know, and it's like, but I'm just like going like, that is so funny that that is what I call gratitude right now like literally i mean it is barely awareness and um i just think it's really cool that you highlighted that moment uh when we're sort of at our least conscious and our awareness is like almost waking up too and we can sort of recognize that that some of our smallness in that moment we can recognize how much room there is for growth, you know, and I just think that's a really cool moment to to become aware of and um although that doesn't encapsulate everything you said, that's definitely just something i uh that struck me that was a a very insightful moment to be aware of as practitioners hmm. oh. oh cool. And Shirley uh, said that she really likes the idea of opening to life. And I think that's the bigger message that he was getting across surrendering and opening to life. How vulnerable you have to be to allow that to occur and how that's a process. So thanks, Dalin. Anandama, you had your hand up, I believe.
4: Go ahead first all, I want to say I really appreciate dial and what you said because that's what came up for me during that practice was what do I have to let go of to grow and feeling some fear and some clinging and what I what I wanted to share was this experience I had on Saturday I it has been years since I felt a great deal of stress and I recognized I was having some anxiety and almost like an anxiety attack. I'm preparing for this trip um, to Lake Powell, which has become way bigger than I ever imagined. And I was trying to use my practice. I don't know if it was artificial or not, but it wasn't getting anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was the wish to grow, I was doing mantra, I was trying to surrender and I could just feel, I was way in my head and out here. I did a little yoga and then it just was like, I'm like, I know this will end, but I could, it was such a struggle to go internal. And I remember Baba saying, you know, the bigger the resistance, or maybe it was used as, the more opportunity for growth. Well, then Saturday night, they had, you had the Babaji, the meditation with Baba Babaji. And I don't remember what mantra we're doing. And I thought, I'm just going to Give it a shot. What else? You know, I'm just going to sit. I, had, I was o- meditating with my eyes open on Baba, doing the mantra. And all of a sudden, it was like just all that baggage just was gone. And I had a deeper connection to Baba G than I've ever experienced. And it was amazing. But it took, you know, I worked, uh, I didn't, I certainly didn't expect it. I hoped that something, you know, I would shed all of this, that eventually something was gonna happen. But it was a pretty amazing experience. And I would say on some level, I was kind of artificially, I, I'm not sure I really liked that word, because I was, I was going through the motions, because that's all I could do during the day. I mean, I was doing, I was reaching, but those patterns were so, it was just so difficult, it was so challenging. So in a sense it was artificial, but there was still an effort there. And Mm -hmm. then I got this grace that was an amazing experience Saturday night. And I was so thankful with the Sangha too. I'm sure it was everything together.
0: Thank you so much. That was just such a a helpful comment on so many levels. I mean, that. The practice this weekend, previous weekend, uh, was so, um, such a gift. I felt the same way. It really just was, I didn't even see that. as like a surprise intensive, kind of like, whoa, this is like uh, all the energy of an intensive happening right now. This is amazing. And so grateful. And just the idea that you um, sort of felt that I feel like the artificial concept is a direction and it's like you you know and it's like when you're going towards it doesn't matter what it looks like if you're going if you're trying to be a little less artificial with each repetition you're going towards sincere practice it's you know they're just and when when we're not putting anything behind it we are you know slipping back and it's essentially towards So it sounds like, I mean, every single footstep you took in that time was a conscious one. It was 100%, you know, sincere practice. And it just, we don't know when it's going to break through, you know? So yeah, artificial does not reflect the experience because to be perfectly honest, um, that would mean that we don't really experience any of this joy until we're enlightened. Uh, and that's obviously not the case.
4: So So when Jesus, Uh, the word artificial means so i I really appreciate because i was sincere with it so does the word artificial more mean like you're just kind of faking it and you're not really wanting i mean yeah i
0: mean it just sort of represents like our our practice like a bio is saying when our minds are drifting we don't even really know we're practicing uh you know just like we're just going through the motions or. Or it could be when we're like stuck in doership and just yelling the mantra or doing it faster. You know, those kind of things that really just served almost like make the make it harder. Like you almost like feel like you're getting further from the goal. Yeah. Uh, Kara, and I apologize if I didn't see anyone else's hand pop up. Just try again, you know, go ahead, Kara.
1: Um, I like the word doership when I meditate sometimes I feel like I'm playing hide and seek and whenever I'm going inside it's like a dark room and it feels artificial whenever I feel like I'm going in with a flashlight I'm trying to find how can I grow how can I grow instead um, I can tell when I really settle into the practice because instead I feel like I'm sitting in a dark room and kind of waiting for these things to slowly show themselves
4: instead of constantly looking.
3: Wow,
0: That's really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. That makes a ton of sense. Waiting for the light to almost like illuminate the room rather than just trying to find whatever our mind can relate to about growth in that moment. Growth equals this, growth equals this. Meditating looks like this. That's great. Thank you for sharing
3: that. I really appreciated uh, your talk because the word that I was going to type in if I had had a keyboard in front of me, I, I thought of two words. One was desperation and the other is longing. I was sitting this morning thinking about my own practice and how sometimes it does feel like, yeah, you're just putting in time and you're not really getting anywhere. Sometimes I feel like that. I'm sure all of us feel like that sometimes. But if I think about the times when I felt the most desperate or I felt the greatest longing, generally, right after that was like you said, Anandama, that suddenly everything dropped and this great feeling of joy overtook me. So, um, I don't know if, uh, if desperation is a good word, but I do know that for myself, I've gone through periods where to were very desperate and that they brought me great joy afterwards.
0: Yeah, I mean, that word longing was in the way that uh, Lakshmanji described non-artificial effort filled with intense desire and fervent longings. So That's it's a perfect way of understanding it. And when are you hungriest? You know, I mean, when do you have the most longing for something? That was something when I was doing the practice, I felt a little twinge of hunger and I sort of like, tried to use that little bit of hunger to help me understand like the wish to grow. Um, I was like trying to feel that little bit of hunger and then repeat. I deeply wish to grow with my attention on the hunger to like, cause I remember Baba says it's like being underwater and you can't breathe and you're so hungry for breath. You want it so bad, you know? And I was like, okay, so there's a little something I can use to help me. Cause it's like, you don't always feel the longing you know sometimes you have to like, like and it's weird like anonymous like the thing that you are going through there'll be times in your practice you're like i wish i had something that desperation you know i want that breakthrough but sometimes you have to like generate it you have to find it and not like you're trying to generate desperation but you're trying to generate longing intense desire you know um hunger as
3: rudy says you know wish to go Sure, go ahead and on the Yeah, we're getting there at the end.
4: I think that's why challenges are so important. And use can be used as fuel. You know, if we're just really have, you know, we talked about that. If we just have this easy life, but those challenges are just such a great opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, That'd be okay if I didn't have that one again. <laughs> i'd like that that scar can go away i know
0: yeah <laughs> that's true too that is so true too well we're gonna we're gonna have to conclude there um we're about i've got one more um well oh little surprise is that uh we are gonna actually be doing because of a scheduling thing we have three study buddies in a row coming up so this is sort of the first time that's happened um, and then we get back to the presentation um, rotation. Um, so that means we're literally going to meet a week from now uh, and, and pick up where we left off. We'll pick up in the sutra. I've got another aspect of the sutra I want to go over with you. And then we'll have a third one. Um, so it's going to be really cool. And what I see this as a, a really fun opportunity is we are one month away from the 4th of July intensive. And um, I'm going to uh, leave a little post on Marco Polo about because there's no time right now about a really fun Sankalpa concept that I came up with that sort of aligns with this sutra um, that anybody can do in their own way. Like, it's not like, oh, do, I'm not giving Sankalpas here, but I'm just saying it's a fun way to look forward to the 4th of July and start to build up to it. Because how often is it like three days before and you're like, wish I would have thought of some Sankalpa, you know, I mean, you know, uh, and here we are, we're a month away, it's perfect. Um, So I'm going to post it on Marco Polo and uh see what you think and we can sort of check in a little bit about it and then of course for the week to come let's all work with and i'll i'll mention this america poll as well uh this concept of working towards this sincere practice and and how to how to get out of the artificial state and to work with natural intense desire and longing from the center of the heart so i look forward to hearing how that goes for you this week and then we're gonna be right back together next week so So good to see everybody. Namaste.